welcome fellow lighting nerds and friends to another episode of The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast. My name is Lisa Bartlett. Thank you for listening and tuning in yet again this week. Um, If you don't already know, The Light Files podcast releases every Tuesday about 5 a.m. Eastern time uh, to the general public, but we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash lightfiles with now nine patron supporters of the podcast. We're still ongoing in our 50 listener challenge that I can expand and grow this podcast and do interviews and much more fun and exciting things. I'm really, really excited about that opportunity to get there. 50 listener supporters on patreon.com slash lightfiles. And you're going to have much more exciting things. One of the current benefits to um, Patreon members is early access to episodes of The Light Files. Usually I record them on Fridays um, from my home office. Um, This one I happen to be recording on Saturday morning, September 11th. And I just, uh, to break from our regularly scheduled program, (laughs) wanted to uh, just give a little um, quiet reflection to the day. Uh, You know, it's one of those days that for all of us, we all remember where we were and it's just like, you know, etched in, in our collective memory. Um, my son, uh, was born in uh, 2006. Of course, he doesn't know anything about living through that day and that time. Um, <laughs> I guess one day maybe he'll be telling his kids about the pandemic and lockdown and all that. But, uh, we, you know, we all have these collective experiences. Um, this is one of the biggest ones of my life. Um, There are certainly many more that happened before, but um, in reflecting on where I was 20 years ago this day, I'd actually just landed for my last semester of college in a study abroad program. I did, uh, the University of Georgia has a really great relationship with Oxford University, and um, I think we left out on September 9th, 8th or 9th. And so we had literally just landed. I was going through the worst case of jet lag I've ever had in my life. Um, It was the first time I ever really experienced jet lag like that. (laughs) I did not know how to manage it. (laughs) It was an unpleasant couple days. And then this on top of it, and actually just in a random full circle uh, life moment, um, because we were uh, Americans uh, overseas and nobody knew what the extent of all this uh, violence was going to be. They uh, removed all the signage from the building that um, the university owned over there, identifying that, you know, identified us as the University of Georgia and Americans. And it was my first time ever being on lockdown. I think, um, I think that lasted all of two days and then they let us back out into the world. (laughs) Unruly college kids probably, but um, it was just a really, really, uh, wild experience for all of us, no matter where you were that day, um, whether you were in New York or DC, um, or Pennsylvania and just, I know there's, you know, 5 million things that you could say about that experience. And, uh, you know, none of them would quite capture the day, but I think what has always resonated with me so much and you know, especially I was in this small group overseas, um, 
We certainly very much bonded very closely together because of, you know, going through this experience. And I think, um, it's probably the last time I can remember that our great country did the same, really bonded together and, um, supported one another, no matter our differences. And that's something, you know, that I talk a lot about on this podcast, just in our little corner of the lighting industry, how we should, how it always goes better when we listen to one another, when we support one another, when we do the best we possibly can to be great partners for each other. And, um, that certainly happened on that day in the weeks and months after in our country. And, um, something that I think we could probably all agree, no matter what position we're coming from, that we could probably use more of that all around, um, giving each other a little more grace and remembering that the most important thing is to communicate and be together and support one another, um, come what may. So anyway, not trying to be Debbie Downer here, but since today is what it is and it's the 20 year anniversary, I just thought take a quick moment and, um, reflect on that and yeah, send my warm wishes out into the world for not just everyone involved that day, but, um, just our country and the world in general, you know, I want so much for us all to just be caretakers for each other. Again, that doesn't mean we all have to agree with one another or, you know, all believe the exact same things all the time. It just means I think we all need to live with open hearts and open ears and open minds and just try to do our best every single day and to bring more good into the world than negative. Okay. So back to the regularly scheduled programming, (laughs) the, um, I started at the top of the episode saying, yeah, the 50 listener challenge and Patreon. Um, so please do, uh, participate in that. If you can, I really appreciate your support. I, I don't know if I said this yet or not, so sorry if I'm repeating, but we have nine patrons now and, um, I have sent each of them personal thank you notes and I really am so appreciative. So we're almost a fifth of the way there. So let's keep it going. Um, 50 listener challenge. We've already got nine. Thank you so much for your support. And I can't wait to show you how this podcast is going to grow and evolve when we get to that point. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So light files this week, I, um, shared in the LSA group, um, a great article I read in furniture, lighting and decor for the month of September And it was, uh, the article is eight tips to increased profit margins. It's by Bob Phipps, the retail doctor. Um, there were a couple of great points he made and some that made me sort of cringe. So, um, and I mean that in the best way possible, (laughs) like, just like, oh my God, Bob, you're, uh, exactly right there. And, uh, here's why that's a real struggle in my world. So his number one tip to increase profit margins, number one tip, increase prices. And I was like, Oh, heavens to Betsy. I would love to, (laughs) but we can't, isn't that the craziest thing? 
I know, like, I know this is how so many industries work. Like, I'm well aware as a distributor that most products sold have some sort of pricing guidelines um, or, you know, whatever. An iPhone is always going to cost what an iPhone costs because basically Apple dictates the price. And older models, sure, it's different deals, but like when the next iPhone drops, whatever price it is, it's going to be the same price everywhere. And that is Apple's pricing policy and everyone is just following it. So I'm not saying that like pricing policies like we have in the lighting industry, clearly they are common and rampant. And, um, you know, to give credit to Bob's point there, like if it's an item that I sell in my store, like a little home good or home decor or whatever, that isn't covered by pricing policies, but if it's a popular product for us, um, for sure we should be increasing our pricing on that, um, you know, and make a little extra margin. But the bulk of what I sell at my business and most people listening to this podcast that are distributors, I believe most of what we they sell in their business is um, lighting, fans, lighting controls, light bulbs, and almost all of these things are governed by pricing policies and there is no way to increase pricing unless we just want to be constantly being questioned about why is your pricing this when I can get it, you know, there for less. And I mean, there's just no way Uh, just spend one day (laughs) in a lighting showroom that has retail customers in it. And you'll quickly see that the, (laughs) they are paying attention to the pricing. They're looking for a good deal. They are not about to spend even $5 more than they have to spend. Um, some, it's funny. I hear from some showrooms that, like IMAP holidays really impact their business and they just get questioned nonstop on their pricing. And other showrooms say it's basically a non-factor and nobody even mentions it. I have to believe that is somewhat tied to um, the like the basis, of, like to your customer base. Um, it is something I've definitely learned through the Lighting Showroom Association that lighting showrooms are very, very different uh, across the country and who their customer bases are. And depending on your particular customer base, that for sure changes how, uh, like pricing policies and IMAP holidays, like it, it changes the impact on your business. Some people experience a, a big impact from IMAP holidays and some experience almost none. And that just also speaks to this bigger thing that we talk about a lot here that it is hard for manufacturers to come up with like terms and deals that work for all of us as independent lighting showrooms, because we're all so very different and how we operate and who our customer bases are and what's important to us, which is why I always am a big proponent of that a la carte feature. Like, okay, well, this is the thing that's most important to me. So of these six benefits I can get that I'm allowed to choose three of, I choose these three because they help me the most. And showroom over here might pick a whole different three uh, benefits because that's what benefits them the most as a business because we all have different factors that play into what we do. So anyway, um, that increased prices thing like really was like a oh stab in the heart. I would love to. Um, I would love pl- pricing policies uh, to be a little more generous than they are. Um, you know, it's funny when they started, a lot of the um, uh, IMAP markups were higher than they are now. 
Um, and then they dropped over time, I assume, uh, because competition, whatever, uh, other pressures of, you know, uh, manufacturers maybe of lighting or importers of lighting that aren't as uh, tied up in the industry and with the costs of the, you know, showroom at the Dallas Market Center or High Point Las Vegas, you know, there's just a whole different uh, world of factors maybe that put pressure on, on manufacturers and they want to keep their prices a little at the, at the lower point. Uh, again, totally get it, but gosh, if we could find a way <laughs> to even just inch up that pricing a little bit, that boost to showroom profit margins would make us all much more successful, thriving businesses. And we'd probably complain a lot less. I think a lot of the reasons it feels like showrooms are complainies um, is because there is just so much pressure on the business and it feels like you can't take a step in the wrong direction or you're really going to get things messed up um, because, because profit margins are so thin in what we do when you take into account overhead and everything else. Now, there's, you know, absolutely, I'm not saying they have to be thin. There's ways to smartly run these businesses where you can be very successful um, and have a very comfortable life and all of the things. But um, but it it's just, it's, uh, it's constant pressure for sure. Um, but, you know, we're entrepreneurs to some degree and that's what we're here for. Uh, whether uh, we intended to be entrepreneurs or not, I was speaking with another uh, showroom owner recently and, you know, her college degrees in uh, English, mines in political science, uh, knowing if we knew back then what we would end up doing uh, for a living, I probably would have had a different college major <laughs> because political science, while very interesting and near and dear to my heart, um, is not, uh, turns out, uh, a good, uh, platform for running a business. <laughs> uh, that's kind of been learned on the fly. And, uh, I definitely think a lot of us might've made some different decisions if we knew, uh, where our lives were going to take us. I never expected to be an entrepreneur and a business owner. Uh, I wouldn't change it though. I do love the challenge of it. But, you know, there are some challenges that maybe could be made a bit easier. And I think if we could ease some of that pressure via these pricing policies, um, it would make IMAP holidays way less um, impactful for those that they really do cause some difficulty to. Um, IMAP holidays, as we all know, tend to be 20% discounts off of whatever the, uh, you know, the IMAP prices. And, and that's would be way more palatable uh, if the starting point of the pricing was a better margin than it is now. Just truth for me and for a lot of showrooms. So I thought that was really interesting. The other point he mentions in this article, Bob Fitz, Hit Phipps, the retail doctor in furniture, lighting, and decor. Uh, uh, one of my other favorite points he mentioned was limit discounting. I find I, in my store, I tend to be, I want my salespeople to have all the tools they need to make a sale. So um, ideally, everything sells at retail, full retail price. Um, of course, there are, you know, discount programs for designers, builders to the trade, all of, all of that. But um, outside of that, I really want as much business to go at retail. Again, speaking of margins, the more I can get you know, product out the door at full retail, 
that makes up for some of the lower margins I'm taking on other business. And, uh, but I do offer that my salespeople, um, can discount up to 20% on most items where there's not a pricing policy that, you know, forbids it. Um, uh, they can take 20 per, up to 20%, almost any off any order if they need it to close a sale. <sighs> I go back and forth about that. I think, should I put some sort of limit <laughs> on that? Like maybe they can only discount that much if the, if the dollar value of the sale is X amount. I don't know. I go around and around about it, but mostly I want my salespeople to feel empowered that they have all these tools at their disposal. But, you know, limiting discounts sure is important. And I have found that when salespeople know that they can discount up to that and they're not going to have to, you know, justify to me why they did it, um, they tend to use that a little more liberally than I would like them to. So it's just sort of, I found it to be a catch 22 for me and my business. It's definitely policy that I'm um, thinking about and working through all the time. But, um, I, that, that advice really stuck with me. Okay. Maybe I am too, um, allowing of discounts and we should be a little stricter about it. I think I'm perhaps just devaluing my business um, in a way I don't intend to, uh, mostly because I just want our salespeople to feel agile and able to do what they need to do to make a sale. Um, but I think maybe I've had, it's had some unintended consequences that just seeing that limit discounts really stuck with me. I was like, Oh yeah, we're probably being a little too liberal about that. And I don't know that we need to be in order to make sales. It's just really, really interesting, uh, a thought, uh, experiment for me would really love to hear what you all do in your showrooms in terms of discounts. This is really talking, addressing retail sales. Um, uh, do you allow your salespeople to discount? Uh, what's the maximum you allow them to discount? Um, uh, you know, all things being equal, assuming that there's no IMAP holiday in place or you're matching pricing, but assuming an item isn't on a uh, manufacturer's sale, and, um, you know, customer comes in and say they want to spend a thousand dollars, uh, but they want a discount. How much do you do? Do you offer 5% off 10%? Do you just say, this is our pricing? Um, just really, really curious to see how that works. But I, I have kind of defaulted to this place where I allow, I'm a little more permissive, um, so that my salespeople feel confident and comfortable that they can always make the sale. Um, but, but maybe that's not always the best tact to take. Um, so I'll be really interested to hear your feedback on limiting discounts um, because it definitely has a quick impact on that bottom line. So the other thing that I wanted to call out from this article, there were eight tips and we're, I'm only talking about three of them because these were the three that like just jumped off the page at me. Um, but... The last one I wanted to, to call out was about giving bonuses to staff. I think a lot of us have some sort of commission and bonus program. I revamped mine um, two years ago. Um, it has been, <laughs> the revamp has made it very, very profitable for my best salespeople, but that was sort of the intent. Um, I tweaked it last year. I'm probably going to tweak it again this coming year. Um, just to get it honed in and be performing the way it's supposed to perform. But I have definitely found, I think uh, 
I think a lot of us understand, um, cause many of us also act as salespeople <laughs> in our businesses that, um, that bonus when done appropriately is a very motivating tool. I mean, golden handcuffs, whatever you want to call it, but, um, it can be a really, really motivating tool. And uh, if a salesperson knows that their bonus is tied to their profit margin, I think you're going to get, especially for me, this is how I'm, this is why I probably jumped off the page at me. I could, I could probably save myself some of that heartache of the discounts if my salespeople understood that their bonus was directly tied to their general, you know, to their total margin of sale. So if you're discounting too much, your bonus is going to be less than if you're not discounting as much. So I just, and I have found with my salespeople that are successful, that having a really a healthy bonus, uh, one that really um, can impact, you know, uh, someone's lifestyle, you know, like if it's, if your bonus is, you know, I, salaries are different all across the country, but I'm just going to wing out some numbers that would be meaningful to me. If my monthly bonus was $500 a month, I mean, that could cover groceries for the family for the month. And that's something that I don't have to take out of my salary. And that would have a meaningful impact on my life. So I think when bonuses are of a level that's meaningful and impactful to someone's life, and we find a way to tie them to profit margins, um, I think that can have the benefit of making our entire businesses uh, healthier and more successful not just from the bottom line perspective, but from uh, the happiness and well-being of our staff too, which is uh, just super important. So anyway, I'm running a little long on this one, so I will cut it off there. I would love to hear your your input on these things about uh, profit margins, increased pricing, limit discounting, and bonuses uh, paid to salespeople based on profitability uh, exclusively. I'd love to get some feedback from other showrooms about those topics and how it's working for you um, because I always like to get as many different ideas as possible and share them back out with us so that we can all, you know, feel some energy and try to think about ways that we can run our businesses better um, because, yeah, it's important that we can be as thoughtful and forward thinking as possible so that we can be successful because that's what we all really want to be happy, successful business people and have a great team of employees and customers that pick up on all that great energy and are also as happy uh, to be customers and clients of ours as we are to have them. Thank you, everyone. I hope everyone is having um, just a wonderful day and week, and I look forward to talking to you again next time. Take care.